Appreciate thinking people. Uh, after the morning's message, Cheryl pointed out to me that there was a possibility that David may have been trying to protect Bathsheba from a ruined uh, testimony. I mean, if, if uh, somebody is caught sleeping with a, another person back then and you were married, she could have been stoned. Well, I'd never really thought about that. And then uh, Grant pointed out to me that David was on the rooftop, but didn't say anything about that Bathsheba was on the rooftop. In, in, in every, every time I've read through that passage of scripture or, or whatever, that's where I've always pictured her. And uh, the importance of paying attention <laughs> to when you're reading your Bible. I, uh, some people don't like to be corrected or challenged or whatever. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It just, it just causes me to pay that much more attention when I'm reading. Turn your Bibles this evening to uh, Jeremiah 29. We're going to start in there. On the back table, uh, we, ha we have just a few tracks left. Uh, one of them that I have with me that will be back here in the, uh, in the corner is responding to the coronavirus in the light of eternity. There's a lot of people that are kind of concerned about that. It's a little bit lengthy, I think as far as reading, but it gives a clear plan of salvation. And then uh, we had a quote-unquote political rally at Wildwood Baptist Church here recently. And uh, this is your decision, 2020. Well, most people that get it think it's talking about politics, but when you open it up, it's about the most important person that you can vote for, and that's your vote for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's very clear, but those will be back there on the uh, back table if you're interested in not just taking one to read, but take, take one to pass out this week. Uh, the 2020 ones are only going to be good for a couple more weeks, so, so take, advantage of, uh, take advantage of that. Uh, tonight, there's absolutely nothing new, nothing new under the sun. Matter of fact, if you have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper, I would like you to uh, take it out to take notes. Uh, you say, well, I'm already X amount of years old. Good. Uh, take it for notes for your grandchildren or your children. Uh, routine is a good thing. We get locked into routines and, you know, sometimes routine life just get, gets boring. But I've discovered watching uh, not only with our children over the years, but you kind of forget about some of those early years. But watching the grandchildren now, they need routine. And uh, we, have, we have three of our grandchildren that definitely need routine or that things just kind of start getting goofy and wacky. Uh, so the, the, the message tonight, the title is, and I don't remember what I gave you guys back there, Finding Significance in Daily Things. I think I said something about uh, daily routines or whatever. Most people have a hard time spelling significance. Yeah, man, man, it's got a lot of letters in it. But the importance of daily things, daily uh, routines. Let's all stand as we look at Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 11. Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 11. 
For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your hearts. You're talking about an expected end. He knows that when life gets chaotic, when, when things begin to pile in on us, he's assuming, he's challenging us that we're going to come to him in prayer. And through that time in prayer, we're going to seek after him because we want answers. We want direction. We want, we want our path to be plain, as it talks about in, uh, I believe it's Proverbs chapter 27. Make our path Plain, guide our, guide our steps. Lord, we've got decisions here. Uh, things are going a little bit crazy around us. And that was before the COVID thing and everything. Uh, sometimes it happens when you have children added to the family. Sometimes it's just life gets, uh, get, gets crazy. But he says, uh, you have uh, to, and look at the end of verse 11, to give you an expected end. He knows that if we get in the book and we're faithful and we're consistent, we're going to get to the expected end that he wanted for us. We're never going to reach sinless perfection, obviously, but he knows what we're capable of. He knows where we can be. And so that's where he wants us. That's where he wants us to go. So we're going to look at some routine things tonight. Father, I thank you for the time you've given to us to look at your word. Lord, would you guide uh, my mouth and my thoughts as we run through just some of these notes that I've got uh, penned down here that it might be a help and an encouragement to somebody that's in here or several somebodies that would possibly be watching online tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, because of COVID, uh, we now know how very little control we have over anything. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it even varies from state to state. As, as we've traveled, we've noticed that uh, each state is a little bit different. Sometimes the restaurants are open and you can have seating. Uh, sometimes the seating is limited. Sometimes it's just open. I mean, there, there's actually some places we have, we have been where the buffet is open. <gasps> Heaven forbid they wouldn't open a buffet and you could wander over there. You might breathe on somebody's food and they're going to die. Uh, but it, it, things, just, things just vary. But we have discovered we really don't have a lot of control. We like to be in control. We like to have a plan. We, like, we all have uh, ex expectations. Uh, it's always fun. The, the two parts of the story of life that I really enjoy listening to is the expectation of newlyweds. You're dreaming. <laughs> You're dreaming. Uh, unless, unless things worked out better for you than it did for uh, Cheryl and I. It just, the expectations that you have, well, I never thought it would be like that. I mean, have you ever had the, uh, you ever had the discussion of which way the toilet paper roll goes? Where you, squeeze, where you squeeze the toothpaste. Uh, when the butter is cold and stiff, do you just kind of scrape it off the top? No. Butter was, was made to be soft, number one, and sliced off the end. You don't want to. They didn't go to all that work to put it in a nice, nice neat stick for you to just scratch it off the top. Anyway, it, it's goofy stuff like that that Cheryl and I had all kinds of discussions with 
Uh, not well, not just when we were first married. It, some of it has carried on, <laughs> carried on for a while, to be quite honest. Then the expectations of raising a family—that's always interesting. Uh, I, I've observed. Uh, well, now all of our children have children, but it was always interesting with the Brendestals starting out being the first ones being married, and then uh, then it was Shane and Christy and Anna. The ones that weren't married. The ones that uh, they were a long ways from having children always knew how to raise children. Some of y'all just need to practice with a dog. If you can't get your dog to obey, you probably shouldn't own, shouldn't own, probably shouldn't have children for crying out loud. Anyway, expectations. We want things to make sense. Well, I thought... When was the last time you said, well, I thought, well, Cheryl and I have had those conversations even, even recently. Uh, well, I thought, well, no, Larry, you, you misunderstood or you didn't, or I didn't hear her. Uh, well, I thought we were going to do this, or I thought this was going to take place. Or, I thought that we would, uh, we like to know what's going on. We, we like to be able to, quote-unquote, plan our life. So it was rather interesting when all of this hit to realize, again, how little control we really have over life. We, 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 can, have, we can maintain some routine, but it gets more and more difficult as time goes on. Flip over to Mark chapter 14. We have a situation here that uh, takes place with just a routine situation that uh, has, a, has a profound significance. In Mark chapter 14, there's a lot of activities. Uh, I don't know if you've got uh, headings on, uh, on your Bible and my, uh, my old Schofield that I have here. That we've got several uh, chapter or verse headings. In uh, chapter 14, beginning at the top of that, the plot to put Jesus to death. Come down a couple of verses. Jesus anointed by Mary of Bethany. We come down above verse 10 and it talks about Judas' covenant to betray Jesus. Then the preparation of the Passover. Uh, then above 17, the, the last Passover. Uh, above 22, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Verse 26, Peter's denial foretold, where he says, uh, before the cock crow, uh, twice, you're going to, uh, thou shalt deny me thrice. Uh, then we have the agony in the garden. Verse th above verse 35, the first prayer. 39, the second prayer. This is uh, while he's praying in the garden, just before the, uh, his arrest. Then above 41, we have the third prayer. Verse 4, above 43, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Down in 47, Peter smites with a sword and follows afar off, Jesus forsaken by all. That's still, that, every time I read that passage of scripture, that's always baffling to me. I cannot picture how Peter managed to slice that guy's ear off. Uh, because if you... If you come down with a sword, unless he had real good control, I mean, you're going to whack the shoulder or something like that. It just, I don't know, did he slice up? I, I, I've, again, taking time to read. Thank you, Grant, again, for pointing out the, uh, the, that Bathsheba may not have been up on the, uh, up on the rooftop. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why in Brother uh, Corey and I, Brother Corey Sr., and I were talking about uh, Bible reading. I am a very slow reader because I will read two or three verses and then I go back and I think about it and, and I look closely at the wording. Obviously not closely enough this morning, but I, I, I will pay attention to the word. And it's a lot of times when I'm reading and paying attention, it's a, a, a word or a phrase will pop out and I'll say, well, I never really noticed that before. And so I'll, I'll grab my computer that's right there on, on my desk where I, I do my devotions and I'll type it in to see how many times it's in the Bible. And uh, I always find those kind of things fascinating. But it takes me a long time just to read three or four chapters uh, every morning. Uh, then we get down to a verse, top of verse 53. Jesus is brought before the high priest and the Sanhedrin. And then uh, above verse 66, Peter denies the Lord. So it was a busy, it was a busy uh, almost 24 hours of all this stuff that takes place. So just... Life sometimes, it just seems like it, it just keeps moving along. Nothing stays the same. Nothing stays the same. I mean, uh, as, as uh, we were visiting at lunchtime today, a uh, couple that are no longer even on this earth uh, was mentioned. I, I kind of forgot about them and uh, the fellowship we always had to uh, had with them. Uh, they, they sat back about where the briars were and nothing stays the same. It's amazing to me. I can always tell how long it's been since I've seen somebody by the size of their children. You know, uh, you're so used to seeing somebody when they're this big and you don't see them for two or three years and before you know it, they're that high or you're looking them in the eyeball. Nothing stays the same. Even though we like to have routine and we like to have control, uh, things are always, always uh, moving along. We can at times feel like a spectator in life. It's hard to keep up with it. Uh, it's part of the reason why I do watch and listen to some news, but if I spend too much time watching and listening to the news, I depress myself. And, uh, or they depress me, I, I should say. You know? so, uh, but it, it seemed like life just keeps moving along. One of my favorite statements that the preacher King made. Well, uh, let me, how, how does that go? Sure, how does that go? Uh, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> and that's the truth. Uh, ask, ask the Briars, how fast is, has life... Boy, before you know it, wow, how did we get here so quick? And it just seems, I mean, you realize we're only just a, we're, we're only just a, a, a couple of months from Christmas already? It, this, it's just crazy how fast, life, uh, how, how fast life goes. Here in Mark chapter 14, uh, we have an, uh, a guy that uh, gets caught up in the Lord, uh, in the activities that the Lord has for him. Uh, look at Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, the disciples said unto him, Wilt thou that we may that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall ye meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. 
He didn't say talk to him. He didn't say ask him, do you, uh, uh, you've got a pitcher of water. Are you the guy that we're looking for? Do you have a, do you have a room that we can meet in or uh, Jesus send us into town? He just said, walk into town, look for a guy carrying a pitcher of water and every day occurrence. You'll see, you're going to see a guy carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared, and there make ready for us. And the disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. An unnamed person is carrying water becomes a key to a major event, daily activities. This guy, maybe it was always his routine, I don't know, but somebody every day, I'm assuming, and it does not say that, Mr. Grant, in the picture, in the word picture here that I'm developing in my head. Somebody went and got water on a regular basis. Uh, Obviously, they didn't have water in the house, Uh, for drinking or whatever it is that he's getting this water for because it's in a pitcher. So they're going to, uh, he's going someplace to get water. They don't find him as he's getting water. They found him after he got water and and they follow him to the house. Just a normal, everyday routine, probably for this person. Sometimes in our normal, everyday routine, We miss what God's doing. Sometimes in our everyday normal routine, God upsets the apple cart and we have a change. How do you respond to a change to your routine? Is routine important? Yes, I believe it is. It sets patterns for us. It, uh, it uh, It gives security to children when Okay, this is our routine. Uh, this, uh, it's Sunday. This is what I know that we're going to do. This is, uh, uh, my mom wasn't as routine as what Cheryl's mom, but uh, on Monday they ate this, and on Tuesday they ate this, and on Wednesday, and it didn't vary a lot. My, my mom wasn't exactly that routine, but uh, sometimes uh, people get into a, locked into a routine like that. <clears throat> what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to make a difference as I'm going through just my everyday routine of life? You are only one decision away from a totally different life. Let me repeat that again. You are only one decision away from a totally different life. Sometimes that decision you make maybe will take you down a road where there's an accident and you're involved in it. Uh, That decision may be to strike up a friendship with somebody. That uh, one decision uh, that can make a total difference in in your life is uh, you, you decide that you're going to try or to do something. I've got several when I look back at my past, and I mentioned it a little bit uh, this morning, I've got several decisions that I made that were not good decisions, and it changed and affected my life. 
one of the one of the decisions and choices that i made was to pursue after cheryl we met and we met in vietnam and we worked off and on together for for about three months and then we we met again when i was over in germany and and there was just something about her that caused me to say i want to pursue her Part of my testimony that I don't normally give is uh, I was already semi-engaged <laughs> to somebody else. Matter of fact, I had told my girlfriend, I said, uh, don't you ever write me a Dear John letter when I'm in Vietnam. If, if you're going to break it off, you can break it off when I get home. But we'd had this kind of this, this compact and we were, we were doing this online, not online, but we were doing this long-term dating. And, and it, was, it was pretty much understood. We, we talked about a lot of things that... Uh, that when I finally finished up with my tour in uh, Germany and got out of the army, we were going to come home and we were going to make the engagement official and we were going to get married. A very nice girl, done a uh, very nice lady. They've got, uh, I've forgotten now, three kids. She and her husband live over in Minnesota and everything. But my life would have been drastically different than uh, if, I'd, uh, if I'd have married her than if I'd have married Cheryl. My, my decision to, you know what? Cheryl's growing by leaps and bounds, and I'm just, I'm just not getting a lot of, you know what, I think I'm just going to go to Bible college. My life drastically changed. You're always just one decision away from a totally different life. What about the bad side of that? That one moment of weakness that you give in to fill in the blank can drastically Change your life. Choose you this day whom you are going to serve, who you shall serve. Young people, children, it's very important, the decisions that you make. It, uh, it, it does affect your life, and it will affect it long term when the, the choices you make. It's so much easier to have an expected end. If you make some decisions at an early age, uh, one of the things I really like that has come out in the last probably 10 or 15 years is the promise rings that uh, dads will give to their daughters where they promise, the, I promise to keep myself pure and clean all the way up to the altar. That can make a big difference as to where you're going to. It'll give you an unexpected end if you don't take and follow through with some of those things. Uh, Choose you this day. If you make some decisions now while you're young, it's going to make, it just makes, when, when a situation arises, it makes it that much easier to be able to deal with. Uh, but some of the examples, Daniel. Daniel, purpose in heart, his heart, he was not going to eat any meat. Made a huge difference. Uh, I'm going to eat pulse. That doesn't even sound good. Pulse. Uh, that sounds like soggy vegetables. I don't know, boiled down. It, I just I pictured boiled spinach and mustard greens. <laughs> oh, gag! Uh, but he, he he made up his mind. Maybe he was eating them fresh. I don't know. Maybe they didn't turn them into soup. But he he purposed not to eat of the king's table, and the Lord continued to direct in his life, and the Lord blessed him because he made that decision. I'm, I. I've got some conviction about eating some of that stuff. And uh, if you'll just try, if you just let us try it for just a couple of weeks, let's see what the Lord does. Uh, 
Joseph. Ah, here's a good one. Turn back to uh, Genesis chapter 39. Uh, Joseph. Joseph. Man, you talk about a guy that lived an interesting, chaotic, up and down life, trying to, trying to just get through it. Uh, Joseph, long story short, and I have no short stories, and neither does the Bible generally. Uh, Joseph has already been sold by his brothers. Well, there's a day to remember. Did I ever tell you about the day my brothers threw me in a pit? I mean, you talk about riding down, a, riding or walking with the camels, and you're trying to get these uh, guys' attention that, that uh, sold you. <laughs> well, he makes it through that, finally gets, uh, finally gets to uh, Egypt, and he ends up here in, in Potiphar's house, and uh, you all pretty much know the story, but let's look at some of those verses. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, beginning of verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> I wonder if he realized the Lord was with him, <laughs> with all the chaos that that he faced and he was he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the egyptian his master saw that the lord was with him and that the lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand and joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand and it came to pass from that time uh, that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not uh, aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Here, here's a guy that, man, had... His brothers mocked him. His dad, mom and dad, when he talks about the she's mom, their mom and dad are saying, yeah, you need to keep some of these dreams to yourself. And he goes over there and his brothers capture him and throw him in a pit and pretend like they've killed him. And then they sell him to the Ishmaelites. And then he uh, finds his, uh, this long journey to get down to Egypt. And uh, then he's sold on the auction block. Lord, this was not what I thought of when, when it says there in, in the book of Genesis that you were with me. It seemed like my life is just a little bit chaotic here, but uh, that's what the Bible says. So I'm thinking to some extent he must have recognized that God's hand was on him, at least protecting him from, from really serious things. But now he's finally got a good job. Now he's kind of a servant. He's, a, he's keeping track of all this stuff for, uh, for Potiphar. But then the wife shows up. Well, we know how that story goes. Look up here at verse 10. And it came to pass as he spake to Joseph, uh, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. I think he probably purposed in his heart. He made one of those decisions a long time ago so that when this situation arose, he said, I don't care how nice you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what, how you try to tempt me. I am not falling for that. I think he probably made the decision early in his life. Uh, 
Verse 11, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that the garment left in his hand, uh, in her hand, and was fled for, then she calls to the men and everything. We pick up down here in verse 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, when she spake on him, saying, After this manner did the servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. So I'm thinking this may have been one of the first times that she ever tried doing something like this. I don't think it was her habit to try and persuade men. Uh, otherwise, he probably wouldn't have got so angry and wrathful. Uh, I'm thinking they had some interesting days ahead. <laughs> As the rest of the story comes out, uh, down the road. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. And the Lord, and we get there again, But the Lord was hit with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Oh, excellent Lord. I got promoted from being a businessman and an overseer to one of the, one of the, uh, one of the pharaoh's uh, leaders to, now I'm in charge of the prison ministry. Ah, oh, thanks for the promotion. But I don't think he had that attitude. Uh, if he had that attitude, he probably <laughs> wouldn't, have, wouldn't have prospered in there because it, it talks about that uh, just in the next couple of verses. Then we, uh, then we pick up over here, uh, over in chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. What do you mean the Lord's with you? How can the Lord be with you? You've got all this freedom and stuff that you're doing, and but you're in prison. You're in prison. You realize that uh, you're still not in a good situation? That Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and he has the dream, and so he calls for somebody to explain it to him over in verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Look at over verse uh, 38. And then Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as, as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Because he was able to explain the dream that... that uh, uh, Pharaoh had. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Well, how come nobody else will notice that besides the jailer? Why was I in prison for two years? Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto the word which the, that all my people be ruled, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. He goes from prison. Well, uh, somebody down south would probably say he went from prison to the penthouse or something like that, just to keep it all, all alliterated. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put, put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. A promotion... 
that kind of came backwards. Here he's already got a good job in Pharaoh's house. And he loses that job and he gets demoted to be the head of the prison to be able to get a promotion to be the second in Pharaoh's kingdom. That's not generally the way that I see life going. You know, we're looking for promotions, but you want to go to prison to get a promotion to end up second. Uh, It's an odd circumstance that the Lord brings about in his daily routine, which he had for two years in the prison to get promoted all the way to second in command. The Lord's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. How well do you handle change? Pastor Brennan Stahl made a statement to me, uh, I don't know, one time a couple of years ago. And it's the only thing that he said that I said, hmm, hmm. Pastor, uh, Pastor King said, Pastor King and I were going up to, uh, going up to Camp Chatech and we had uh, several hours together. <clears throat> He just takes somebody along to talk to him to keep him awake so he doesn't end up in the ditch. He's a fearful man to ride with. Just volunteer to drive. Just, just do it. But uh, as we were chattering about things, uh, we were talking about stuff, and the only sideways thing that he ever said was, at least when uh, Joshua took over, Moses was dead. Hmm, see, Pastor Nelson was still alive. (laughs) Mrs. Nelson had passed away, and so preacher had nothing to do. I'm retired. So every morning, he'd show up. He'd be at church at 7 o'clock. Well, Randy, what are we going to do today? (laughs) So the only sideways thing that Pastor Brennanstall has made is, old people aren't given to change much, are they? No, we're not. We like our routines. Change is good sometimes, but just don't race us into it or whatever. Give us some time to think about it and to, uh, to get to where we're going. <sighs> so here David ends up with a backwards promotion to end up becoming the second in command. David. Keeping the sheep slinging stones, and singing songs. Well, what's that going to get you? You know, okay, I've got these few sheep over here. What am I going to do? I mean, I, I need to move them every once in a while because otherwise they're going to overgraze the area and sheep aren't really the smartest animals. And, and so I need to move them every once in a while. But uh, there's only so much to do. I mean, you've, you've, you've inspected every rock. You've watched the ants build ant hills. You've watched the, the little conies uh, run around, and you figured out where they live. And, and uh, well, i got a bunch of stones here. I could make a sling and see if I can hit something. And so he's out there slinging stones. Well, he ends up killing a lion and a bear, and so he gains a little bit of confidence, and look how the Lord used him down the road. So he's slinging stones, well, what's he going to do the rest of the time? Well, he made up songs. He made up songs. And because of that, we have a lot of the Psalms 
are ones that David wrote or David influenced for other people to do. Uh, choosing to do something that's kind of, we've got a routine. Sometimes we get locked into a situation where we don't have a lot of choices to what we're going to do. So how do you make your routine profitable? Uh, I, I used this illustration years ago. Uh, when I first was going to Bible college, I was working in the uh, Butler Manufacturing. We, at that time, we were making barn cleaners and uh, chicken and turkey incubators. And I worked on a punch press. Take a piece of metal, put it in a machine, step on a pedal, put it over there. Take a piece of metal, put it in a machine, step on a pedal, put it over there. Take a piece of metal, put it in a machine, step on a pedal. You talk about a dull and boring job. Lord, but this is the job that you gave me. This is what's paying my school bill. This is what's feeding my family. Lord, how can I make this a profitable time? I discovered with take a piece of metal, put in a machine, step on a pedal, pull over, that there was actually I could get a rhythm going. And so I started singing hymns to myself on purpose. It caused me to work on a consistent routine. It sped my productivity up a little better. And I actually enjoyed working on the punch press. And so you can get locked into something and you say, this is not my favorite job. What can you do to get yourself to say, it could be worse. I could be in prison for two years waiting for, for somebody, the butler, to go tell the pharaoh that uh, I need to get out of here. How do you handle routine? How do you handle the dull, mundane things? How do you handle, it's your turn to take the garbage out? Well, I took the garbage out last week. Okay, and, and I've noticed, uh, where were we? We were someplace... I'm trying to decide if it was Aaron's house uh, this afternoon when we went over there for lunch. We've been someplace just, just re no, it was, at, uh, it was at the young Pastor Dunbar's house. The children had their jobs lined out so that they knew what they were going to do. If, if you can imagine living with Heather, uh, Jeremy's wife, it's plotted out for a week. And it doesn't change for a month. <laughs> you know... So what can you do in the routine? And I don't know what everybody does for a living in here. You ever get kind of tired of your job? Dan, you ever sat there and said, man, they're paying me good, but good night. This is driving me crazy. You, haven't, you, ever, had one, you ever had one of those days? It, it, just, it just can happen. But let's take routine and turn it into a good thing. The power and significance of small Daily things that can bring about change. The word daily is in the Bible 62 times and every day is in there 21 times. And we're not going to look at all of them. But here we go. This is where I wanted you, uh, particularly you uh, teenagers or younger or mom and dad to be able to pen some of these, these things down for, uh, for the children. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto, uh, unto you. Uh, and that's kind of the attitude that I think that, uh, that uh, Daniel had and that Joseph had and those guys along there, even though that verse had not been quoted, said, or penned down. But number one, every day praise and thank him. Every day 
praise and thanks. Start out with your day. And this is something that I've had to work on. I, I get up slow and quiet. I get up early, but uh, I, I very rarely have to set an alarm clock. Uh, I wake up somewhere between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning, depending upon what time I went to bed at night. But I'm usually up, when I'm at home, I'm usually up by 5.30 in the morning. You know why? Because it's quiet. Well, Larry, it's just you and Cheryl. And the dog. Don't forget the dog. Uh, it's just you and Cheryl. I know. I, I discovered when the children were at home, it's just, it's so quiet and peaceful. I like my, my I've got my, my desk is on this wall, my chair. I've got a nice big window here. I can watch the sun come up. The, the birds are out there singing. If, if we're in church and you're talking to me, I can't hear you. I, I have no idea what your children or grand, the grandkids said because there's all this background noise. But if it's quiet, I can hear the birds outside. And we have cardinals that that live in our woods, as the grandkids call The woods is two rows of cedar trees. <laughs> two rows. That's the woods. But we, we have some cardinals that live out in the cedar trees. They've been, out there for, uh, they've been out there for three years. And did you know that the cardinals start singing a half hour before the sun ever crests the horizon? Soon as there's just a little bit of light, they're out there singing, saying, Thank you, Lord, it's going to be another beautiful day. I can't wait to find out what it is that I'm going to get to eat today. And it's not just going to be worms, because I like seeds and I like bugs. And, you know, who knows what kind of seeds I'm going to be able to have. And they're just so happy. And, oh, thank you, Lord, it's going to rain. Good, I get to wash my feathers. I don't have to go get down there in that bloody, bloody, in that muddy, in that muddy uh, puddle out there. You know, you're going to wash me, Ray. I can just flap my wings around a little bit because Larry doesn't put out any kind of a little water thing for us to be able to play and he just puts out bird seed and everything like that. They are so happy in the morning. And then uh, after they've been up singing and thanking the Lord for uh, just such a beautiful day, about 15 minutes later, the robins finally join in. And then uh, about uh, 10 minutes after the robins start singing, here comes the, uh, here comes the squirrels. Uh, right now we were up to six of them that live, fortunately not at our house, but they, they live down there. And they're chasing each other around the trees. Isn't this great, man? There's a nip in the air. I think fall's coming. We need to, we need to go find some things to eat and bury them in the yard. And put holes in the yard. So when he's mowing the lawn, it kind of goes like this as we're going across the, across the yard and everything. Well, then as the, as the chipmunks are racing around the tree and just playing tag and everything, along come the chipmunks, those lousy little chipmunks. Good night. You can't kill those things. I have been, waged a war with the chipmunks for five years, and they never go away. Never go away. They just multiply like rabbits. And speaking of rabbits, we're on our fourth batch of rabbits in our backyard. It's a veritable playground in my backyard. No wonder it takes me so long to read my Bible. <laughs> but I enjoy that in the morning. I don't want a whole bunch of yelling and talking and you had, you had the Cheerio box last. Go back to bed. <laughs> Mom, he took the one with all the marshmallows in it, and he, he didn't share it. Anyway, those days are gone. Jeremy and Heather have their own house. 
<clears throat> but through that, even though I get up quiet, and I, to be quite honest, I, I, I like it quiet till about 10 o'clock in the morning. After 10 o'clock, it's probably time for breakfast or to actually say, good morning, Cheryl. <laughs> you know, have a conversation. But, but because of my routine, I like it that way. But it's also caused me, because of the veritable playground that I've got out there, to be thankful. If the cardinals can sing and be happy, no matter what the weather is, and the robins can sing and be happy, and the squirrels are having playtime out there, and the chipmunks, ah, oh, they have never had so much fun in all their life because they cut down all this brush, and they've got all kinds of places to hide and play tag and everything. They're having a great time. If they can do all that, I could probably quietly say, thank you, Lord, for another day. I didn't have a heart attack. I made it through the night. Cheryl still loves me. The dog's still here. Uh, you know, I, I, I can find things. The sun, what a beautiful sunset, that uh, sunrise we're having. And sunsets. Uh, I feel bad for all the people out in California. I don't know whether you guys have had the, had the red skies and, and all that stuff, but all that smoke has drifted across the Wisconsin. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Another day of health, another day of sunshine, another day in my Bible, another day to be able to think on you. So every day, praise Him and thank Him. Uh, Psalm 145, verse 2. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. The second thing I have down here is every day uh, call upon the Lord in prayer. Psalm 86, 3. I cry unto thee daily, David said. Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Third thing. Every day, read the Bible. I'm amazed at the number of people that I have talked to just in the last couple of years that struggle with reading their Bible. Or they'll, they'll say, you know, I've never read all the way through my Bible one time. I hope there's not somebody like that in, in here today. Uh, but the, the advantage of reading your Bible... Acts 17, 11, the Bereans received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Number four, every day die to sin and self. Uh, this one's difficult. <laughs> I like donuts. Every day die to sin. Donuts are not sin. Unless you overeat and you, you end up seeing numbers on the scale that should never have been there to begin with. Then it's dying to sell. Luke 9.23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily and follow me. One, two, three, four. Number five, every day be a witness for the Lord. Acts 5.12, and daily in the temple, in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that lieth in you that is, uh, that is with you in meekness and fear. Uh, sometimes because of your routine, you don't run into people where you can do that. It may be because you work with the same people, so therefore... 
You don't have to give them the gospel every day. But I am pleased to see the number of visitors that have been here the, the uh, Wednesday night and, and this morning. So somebody's living right. Somebody's talking to people and inviting them out. But at least try to make an attempt in, in being a witness for the Lord. Uh, number six, every day help someone in need. Help someone in need. Hebrews 13.3. Exhort one another daily. Uh, you may not... <laughs> Anybody in here own a pickup truck? One? Two? Almost, what was that? Almost the way back there? I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. What are the words you love to hear? Uh, I'm going to move. Uh, no, <laughs> no, oh, beat me with a stick. I didn't run. I don't want to know, please. Uh, but we've moved a lot of people. And I a couple times have had to have a good attitude about uh, being a blessing. But we can be an encouragement. We can be an encouragement. It says exhort one another daily. Uh, Galatians 6.10 As ye therefore have opportunity, let's do, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I mean, if everybody, if we're all going through this chaotic, chaotic time of mask and no mask, and you can go here, but you can't go there, and you can sit here, but you can't sit there, and all that stuff. At least what we can do is encourage one another and, and say something kind. Tell your wife that she looks wonderful. Well, that'd be something novel, wouldn't it? Well, yes, Larry, you haven't told me I look nice all day long. I'm sorry, Cheryl. I have wondered why you're wearing poinsettias. That's what it looks like to me, is poinsettias. <laughs> and it's not even December. Uh, what are those things? They're just flowers. Well, I feel, I feel better. Okay, I thought it was a Christmas shirt or something. Anyway. I think the only reason pastor schedules me is so I can just come up here and show you all my faults. I, I really, I really think, think that's what it is. Last one. Every day look for the Lord's coming. One of these days. How long have we been saying that? Long time. One of these days, he's really going to come. Proverbs 8, 34. Blessed is a man that heareth me and watcheth daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Titus 2, 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The routineness of things. If we pay attention, we will see God's goodness. We will see God's blessing. We will see even, even when we get demoted to our new job in the prison and God's hand is with us. It's not what I would have chose. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of here, but I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to do everything that I can do to be a help and a blessing to those people around. Uh, to make those choices on purpose. It's something that I've had to work on all my life. I'm a pessimist by nature. So I've had to work on having a bright attitude, praising the Lord, uh, looking for the good in, in things. And so it's, uh, it's always interesting to see how that all works out when you get caught sideways with something that you're not expecting. Turn over to Luke chapter 24 and we'll wind things up here. Uh, 
It, it, there's these there's these two guys. I just I just absolutely love these I love these two guys here in Luke 24, and I, I can picture this taking place as uh, they they've gotten older. Uh, they're they're now in their in their 70s, and they're not going on long journeys anymore. They're not walking that road to Emmaus, which uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus is about six and a half miles. Uh, that's been cut down. We don't go that far anyway. But they're they're sitting there talking and down maybe down by the gate or whatever. And the one guy says, "Did I ever tell you about the day that we were on, uh, on the road to Emmaus? Did I ever tell you about that? No, Grandpa, tell us again." So anyway, here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Like I said, that's about six and a half, six and a half miles. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. A little bit out of the routine. Now, I don't know whether they worked in Emmaus or if they were, uh, why they were going there. But they're walking down the road and they're talking about, man, it's been kind of a couple unusual last couple of days here. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not... Hast uh, not known the things which are come to pass in there, there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And so they're, they're, they're talking. And uh, Jesus begins to uh, visit with them as he's walking down the road. We pick up down here in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. It's, it's supper time. Why, let's, why don't you come and eat with Man, this, this Bible study, this is just unbelievable. Uh, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread. Blessed it, and break it, and gave it to them. Just a normal, routine, everyday thing. He was trained in his home to pray over his food. So it came natural to him, but here are these two guys, they're, they're walking down and they just, wow, did not, a little bit later, said, did not our heart burn within us? When he spoke of these things, man, that was the best Old Testament revelation and scripture Bible study I've ever heard. That was just unbelievable. Which is why several years down the road they say, did I ever tell you about the day I was walking down the road to Emmaus and, and uh, we ended up talking to this guy and wow, he started expounding the scriptures and Lo and behold, it wasn't until he prayed over the bread and broke it and gave it to us that we realized we were with Jesus after the resurrection. We were one of the first ones that saw him. Did I ever tell you about the day that I was walking down the road to him at just an ordinary, 
every day. And at an ordinary everyday table with an ordinary everyday loaf of bread, he prayed a prayer and we realized who he was. We were in North Dakota several years ago. I think we still had all of the children with us. And as I had put that at the end of my notes, I was just sitting there reflecting on the goodness of God all these last years. And uh, we were in North Dakota, and we were having trouble with the, with the van, which was kind of unusual. The Lord has always given us relatively good, reliable vehicles over the years, but the van was making some kind of odd noise. And so we pulled into Nowheresville, North Dakota, Jamestown, North Dakota. If you're ever going down 90, it's got a great big, huge plastic buffalo out there. And it says, welcome to Jamestown. And so uh, we pulled into town and I asked, I said, where is the, uh, where is the garage? And uh, they said, well, it's, it just go down here a couple blocks and go in there. And so I, I took the van, van over there. Well, we've got the, we've got the kids. What are we going to do with them? Well, there, there's a Dairy Queen right across, the, right across the street. Now, Dairy Queen's not my favorite place to eat, but uh, it's a Dairy Queen. I'd, other than donuts, I really like ice cream. And so, hey, let's go over to, to Dairy Queen. So we went over there, and they said, well, uh, come back in about 45 minutes or an hour, and we'll give you some kind of result as to what, what we think is going on here. So we went up there, and I, I, think, uh, I think we just bought ice cream, you know, just a cone or whatever, and uh, sat down at the table, and we prayed over the ice cream. Normal, ordinary routine, everyday thing, prayed for the ice cream. We're not having a meal. Uh, we're not having hot dogs or hamburgers. We're just having an ice cream cone. And uh, as we were eating that, we were about finished up, and there was this older couple that was sitting over here, and he got up and he said, uh, I noticed you prayed over your ice cream. I said, well, yeah. He said, are, are, you, uh, are you Christians? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we are. He said, not everybody prays over ice cream. And I said, well, you know, we, we try to keep these things in front of the, uh, in front of the children. And I, I don't know about you, but I said, I'm thankful for any time I get to have ice cream. And so he says, well, uh, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm having trouble with the van, and it's over here at the garage. And uh, I'm supposed to go over there and check in about 20 minutes now, and they're going to have it fixed, and we'll be on, on down the road. And he said, well, it was so nice to be able to meet you. And he asked what we were doing and everything. And, and uh, so they, they left and, you know, we made friends. Nowheresville, Jamestown, North Dakota. I already got a, I've already got a friend. And uh, they, they, drive, they drive around and they're waving and we're waving and everything. And so uh, 20 minutes goes by, I walk across the street and they said, you need a new axle on your van. And I said, well, what's that going to cost? And I don't remember what it was. And they said, uh, we can have one here in three days. Three days. Uh, I'm, so, I'm supposed to be at Rapid City here uh, day after tomorrow. Well, there's no way. We'll, I said, can you expedite it? Well, no, we, we, we can't. It's, it's going to be three days. Okay, I so, said, well, let me, let me uh, think about this. I said, I'll be back. I said, I need to go tell my family what's going on. And we went back. And so I said, well, here's the situation. And about that time, this guy comes back in and he says, 
You know, my wife and I were, were uh, praying about it, and we're praying for y'all, and we were wondering, uh, is everything okay? I said, well, they just told me that it's, we need a new rear axle, and, and uh, it's going to be three days before they can get one. He said, well, I'm pastor of this little Baptist church over here, and if y'all need a place to stay, he said, we, we don't really have a, a guest chamber in the guest chamber. <laughs> it didn't sound good. Uh, a, a, pro, a prophet's chamber, a prophet's room. <laughs> was a little, anyway. And we'd, we'd be happy if you like to come over here, you know, you, you can stay in the church. And the, the kids can sleep in a couple of the Sunday school rooms and everything. And we'll make sure that you're comfortable and taken care of. And uh, so I go back over and they said, well, this is, this is what the cost is going to be. That was for the rear axle. And then there was the installation. Oh, yeah, you forgot to mention the installation. And so he's waiting for me when I come back out. And I said, well, I guess you should probably order one. And so he says, what? Okay, what is it you need? So I tell him, and he says, you know what? We've got a lady in our church that her husband is a mechanic, and he's off. He, he's off for the next couple of days. Let me, let me call him. Not even a saved guy. He takes the next day and a half off. He drives, he starts calling around to uh, salvage yards, finds an axle that will fit on our van that will work, and out of his own pocket, he buys the axle, takes the rest of the next day, puts it all in, hooks it all up, and wouldn't even take a penny for it. Unsaved man. His wife goes to the church at where a pastor was, but an unsaved man. Thank you, Lord. My routine was blown out of the water, but you still know where we live even when we're in a van. You know why? Because we prayed over ice cream. Keep doing the simple, regular, spiritual things that you know that you're supposed to be doing. It'll provide stability for the family. It'll provide stability for you. And you will continue to see God work in your life through, that doesn't mean we're all going to become prosperous, but it does mean that God will get us through whatever lies ahead. He is in control. Father, I thank you for your words and scripture to uh, help us with our daily routines. That, Lord, as we just looked at seven things, there's several more there in the Bible, we just looked at several Seven things that we can do daily that you encourage us to do that is more than just reading a couple of verses in the Bible. Lord, may we be thankful for your goodness, for your mercy, for your watch care, for your not only meeting our needs, but Lord, giving us over and above many times beyond what we ever ask, think, or dream of. Lord, you are such a good God. May you be part of our everyday routine. So when the children or the grandchildren move on, they've been established in the faith. They'll still have their own decisions to make, but we've established a pattern and a routine. Lord, thank you for the routine things in life that you use to give us stability, 
but also to be able to give us the opportunity to thank you for your goodness when things get a little upset, crazy, or dumped upside down, knowing that you're still there. In Christ's name I pray. Pastor?